0: Fully. Okay. And the reason why I say that is how many of you have heard of a good old, I can pick on some, let, let me pick on it. Now, let me just, I'm going to set all of this up. Okay. So just y'all know that I'm not being a mean old cuss, right? So I am a word of faith minister. I went to the word of faith Mecca. I went to Tulsa, Jerusalem. I made the Hajj, right? I, went, I made the Hajj to Tulsa, Jerusalem. I, I went to the word of faith Mecca, right? I studied at the feet of the prophet. All this kind of stuff. So I am allowed to pick on us. Yes. Okay. Are you I went. Being I, serious? I'm serious. Yeah. Oh, you
1: know? like, what is all this
0: stuff? <laughs> <laughs> so, did anybody know what word of faith is? No. Okay. Good. So, word of faith was the precursor of what you would understand as Bethel. Okay. So, Bethel and what you guys have experienced out of Bethel is literally the next wave after. So, here's. It's worth doing some study. This is not the class. You need to study church history. And you need to study what's called the, the charismatic renewal. Yeah, yeah. So the charismatic, you would be from Bible school, most others won't. So the charismatic renewal began in the year 1906 in Azusa Street, California, with a one-eyed black man named William Seymour, yeah. who received the baptism. <laughs> yes, I know, one-eyed black guy named Seymour, I know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's the one who put the paper
0: bag it was over his head. Concentrated yeah. <laughs> he, he, was single-minded. he was single minded. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, he, he, he was single minded. So, yeah, he was such a humble guy. He, he went to a man's school named Charles Parham. Charles Parham predated that in the very late 1800s. Charles Parham in Kansas had a Bible school where he taught Pentecostal theology as we all would understand it. Back in those days, because William Seymour was black, he was not allowed in. He, was the door, he asked, he begged him, he said, will you just leave the door open or the window open? I'll sit outside. I just want to be go here on. and learn. And he would go and he would literally either sit outside the open door or sit out under the open window and just listen because he wasn't allowed in to be taught.
2: I would
0: feel like so And so, that's <laughs> mercy. <right>. And so... <laughs> okay. um, and, and so... He would sit there. Well, he goes back to Los Angeles, to Azusa Street, and God does a special operation to William Seymour's life. They literally, he rents a barn, he starts to preach, and Pentecost breaks out in 1906 in Azusa Street. And he was such a humble man, he would either put a bag over his head, because he didn't want people to see him and think it was him, or he would literally get in the pulpit, inside of it, and hide, because he didn't want it to be him. And the Holy Spirit would fall across the whole place. And people came from around the world. Have you ever heard of the Toronto blessing? How about the Brownsville revival in Florida? All of these were born from Azusa Street. You can trace all of their genetic ancestry spiritually back to Azusa Street. And from Azusa Street all over the world. Men and women came from pretty much every continent and almost every nation. Mm -hmm. And they came to California to see what was going on. And they received the fires of Pentecost and they took them out into the world. Mm -hmm. Right, So that went forward in Azusa Street. You fast forward into that and you come into a time from from, uh, William C. Moore in the early 1900s. You come into kind of right around the Depression era. You're seeing people like... A.A. Allen and Jack Cole and, um, the guy up in that Conrad Maines, remember up in, um, the Northwest. Oh, what Branham, Branham, William Branham come from Seattle. And these were evangelist men that had healing ministries. Uh, you had a guy out of, um, that started a bit of a cult out of Illinois. Uh, what's oh, his like name, the Zion guy. I forgot his name, but he literally builds a whole city that was supposed to be a Christian city called Zion City, Illinois, and all this kind of stuff. Those but some extremes and excesses always tend to happen. But some sincere, heartfelt pursuit of the things of God, it moves forward till you get into just after World War II, where people like Brother Hagen and Tiel was born. And Oral Roberts come in. And there's literally what's called the healing revivals of the late 1940s. Brother Hagin used to say it like this. He says, after World War II, it was easy to get people healed. It was easy as falling off a log. Mm-hmm. There was just a spirit of healing that went across the country from 19 about 47 to the early 50s. Right. Was and, it
3: because everybody
0: was so torn up after the war? <clears throat> Some of it was there, but it's just you see waves of what God does. Right. You see waves of things happening. Some of it was the the country was healing after war. Uh, there was just again. Remember the Bible talks about we pray for the peace of our nation because on the wings of peace the gospel can go forth. And so after times of peace you will typically see great times of revival and different things that come out. So. In there in 1947, you move forward kind of into the 19, uh, late 50s, early 60s. This is where you're familiar with Chris Valatin and the Jesus Movement and some of the stuff that Pastor Chris talks about, where God shows up in the hippies and the younger generation, and there's a true, genuine revival of salvation. in that generation, people are getting born again. People are getting filled with the Spirit. These kind of things are being manifested until you get to the late 60s, early 70s, and what's called the charismatic renewal. And the charismatic renewal is where people like Brother Hagin, again, others who really took a shine in teaching became a big forefront, a deal. Again, so you see evangelism, evangelism, Pentecost, healing, and then discipleship and teaching happen coming in there. And in the 1970s, from that was born what became called the Word of Faith movement that came out of that. Now, from the Word of Faith movement, now it advances forward, and we see things like Bethel you see things like Hillsong. Uh, you see things like what might be called now the Grace Movement. People like Andrew Womack or Joseph Prince or these other ones. And they're all just continuations of the same ripple that was dropped in the pond with Charles Parham and William Seymour. Does that make sense? But it's, it's neat to see the waves, right, that happens. Does that make sense? What about Wigglesworth? Wigglesworth would have been, he would have been like around Charles Parham's time and that kind of stuff. He would have been pre Williams, late 1800s. John G. Lake, yeah, John G. Lake and his story. All these are great people you should read after if you want to get a book that reads about it. There's two books by Robert Slaridan. Don't let his failings dissuade you from reading the books. But they're good books called God's Generals.
3: Yeah, God's
0: Generals. Right. They're really, really, really good books of short biographies of different the first overview. Just a good overview of that kind of stuff. They do have videos of God's generals worth doing. Because these are all you and I sitting here today, we can trace ourselves back there.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. That the ripples of the faithfulness of faithful people across, right? That are there. Huh? Catherine Kuhlman would have been, during the time frame, she would have been like in that 30s and 40s, 50s, that kind of stuff. She would have been a contemporary with uh, Brother Hagen earlier on. Uh, again, there's uh, Amy Simple McPherson uh, who started the Foursquare Movement, which became a denomination. All these people are born out of the same stuff. Yeah. Does that make sense? So people like Spurgeon and Tozer and all, all are they... Different. They're different. So Spurgeon is going to be earlier 1800s. We were just reading some Spurgeon quotes. He would have been early 1800s. They would have been great theologians of, of the base, basic message of the gospel and Jesus. Not necessarily Pentecostal. It wasn't really a movement. It wasn't really a movement. Okay. First, great awakenings that are the first great awakening, and and with Jonathan Edwards, the second great awakening again, Charles Spurgeon's, mm-hmm. D.L. Moody, yeah. other ones. These are more kind of would be a famous minister that were there, right? Okay. And there, and it's neat to read. And you, I encourage you, you need to read stories, these biographies of these great men and women of God of the past, because you're part of that heritage. You're part of the faithfulness of that being spread. On and on and on. Anyway, I say all that to say that's what the Word of Faith movement is. You're a part of that. It's just this is the new wave. Now, i got to say this. Remember, and this is the caution. Remember, the greatest persecutors of the current move of God typically are always those who were the last move of God. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's a big, it, throughout this history, so that the greatest current persecutors... Right, and I'll just pick on us, right? There's this thing called the Grace Movement, which is hey, anybody like Wheaties? Anybody yeah. like or like raisin bran? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, general Maybe. meals, you know that kind of stuff, you know. What's your favorite cereal? Life
1: cereal.
0: Huh? Shredded wheat, life. The has favorite cereal. Ch- Cheerios. Lucky Cheerios. Charm, Cinnamon <laughs> <serum> and Toast. Well here, well here's the thing. Have you ever noticed how they change the box quite often?
3: Yeah.
0: Same, wheat, same Wheaties, same cereal, new box,
3: right? New look, same great taste. The yes. new look,
0: same. <laughs> That's these different yeah. movements, That's funny. right? Uh-huh. So what we call the grace movement was simply it's the new box for what was once called the word of faith movement, which is the new box of what was once called the charismatic renewal, which is the new box of what was once... Yeah. It's just the new box. Same stuff, new box. But what happens is, is people love the box. Okay. And so when God, when God brings out a new box, there will be those who will fight the new box. <laughs> who, who will persecute the new box, right? Who will say, it's of the they devil. They cereal out of the new box and put it in the old box. They That's right. They don't want it. Tried, don't <laughs> want to, and that's what they'll do. They'll take the new cereal out and try to stick it back in the old box. It's like an old white skin. You just can't. It just can't do that. So does, does that make sense? So with that, so I say all that to say this. I'm familiar. Maybe you are too. Have you ever heard of a man by the name of Kenneth Copeland? Yes. yes. Awesome. Very good. Have you, have you ever heard of a man by the name of Keith Moore? Yes. Yeah, some have. Some have. But Keith Moore. Kind of think. Have you ever heard of a man by the name of Jesse Duplantis? Yes. Right. He's your favorite? Awesome. Have you ever, let's see, who else can I pick on? Um, oh, yeah. Have you ever heard of Brother Jerry Savelle? Any of those kind of guys. You know the interesting thing about all these traveling teachers? They all have
2: churches.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All of them. They started out as the teacher. And surprise, surprise, you give them about 10, 15 years and they're starting a church. Why do you think they do that? To preserve their box. (laughs) (laughs) No, because they're a pastor. Because they're (laughs) pastors. Because... After a while, again, Brother Hagin used to say it like this. If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck and it smells like a duck, it's probably a duck. So you might sit there and say all kinds of stuff. But I'm going to watch how you waddle. I'm going to listen to you quack. And I'm going to tell you you're a duck. (laughs) Does that make sense? So you can sit there and say I'm world-renowned, inspiring, traveling teacher. And I'm going to go, okay, Pastor. It sounds, <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. Tell me when the church starts Yay. And, and we'll be glad to help you. Yes. Right. And does that make it? So these are the reasons why I say that, that you see this. The other reason why I say they're together is this is the only time in the entire new Testament. You see this word used in this form. Now this word pastor is used. Speaking of Jesus, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. It is used of speaking of, and a lot and in an analogy of jesus right that he was the good shepherd i will shepherd my people so it is used a number of times in connection to christ Mm -hmm. right but in connection to us this is the only time it's used so remember we never build a doctrine on one verse right we all know that so that's why i look at this and go oh this word here in this context appears once right here. Where else does something like this appear? And if you notice by the list we created, and for time's sake, we won't go back and read. But this is one, like prophecy, this is one of the only gifts that this gift called teacher appears in all three lists. It shows up. Remember, anytime God repeats himself, he does it on purpose. He's not forgetful. Right, So he's showing you, like we talked about the last time, about prophecy. Prophecy should be and is very common because it shows up in every list. So we'll be teaching slash pastoring. It's going to be very common. Does that make sense? It shows up in every list. So there's going to be more of the church people who probably have this gift than others. It's going to be a higher percentage. That's why it's so common for us to see. Does that make sense? Any questions so far on that, That is teachers? All right, let's talk about then, what then do pastors do? So I'll have to tell you a little bit of a story. So when we were living in Canada, we were pastoring, and you remember this? And your friend Karen Dyke calls. And Karen, if you're listening, we love you. I'm not picking on you. But um, so Karen Dyke calls, real close friends. Her husband, Tyler, we're on the board of directors. We were great friends in the church, all this kind of stuff. He was my hunting fishing buddy and all that, but... Karen calls one day, and I happen to be home, I answer the phone. And you have to know Karen. Karen has got some Viking tendencies in her and stuff like that, so she's, she's quite an intense soul. And so, so I answer the phone, and, and after I say, hello, she goes, what are you doing home? I said, uh, well, uh, uh... Uh, well, I'm just, I, and she kind of called me flat-footed, and then she just kind of goes off on me as a church member. She goes, "My husband has to work 12 hours a day, and he's always here. How come you get to stay home? What do you pastors do?" And I'm over there going, "Uh, uh, uh, <laughs> I know." That's so what I'm thinking. Uh, I'm gonna let you talk to Selena and stuff. And stuff. Later, she came back and say, "I'm sorry. I was just, I said, oh, it's all good.' But it was a great question because it made me realize." Do I know what I'm supposed to be doing? Right? And do you know what I'm supposed to be doing? Selena does. <laughs> like so she does. <laughs> right? But, but does this make, and it's important we know that because in this role, there are many misconceptions. Like I was jokingly saying earlier. Some people say, oh, well, the pastor is the spiritual cruise director, mm-hmm. their job is to create all this activity. Right? Inter- well, some of it might be entertaining. Some of it just might be you're supposed to be busy doing something.
2: Yeah.
0: I just don't know what that is. So yeah. plan, plan a service, will you? <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean, You know, or, or, do, do something. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, or on the other side, people say, oh, well, they're like can happen in our word of faith circles. They're the untouchable <laughs> ones. They're the super dupers. They're God's special anointed folk. Yeah. Right, they're the ones, don't touch them. Don't touch the anointed people, right? We don't need, you know, does that. And then we turn into like the wizard of the Wizard of Oz, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, right? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally, it's what, what happens a ton, right? So what I want to share with you is just a beginning thought because that one conversation that day challenged me in a good way to say, what biblically is my job?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I need to know it, A, so I can be a good pastor. You need to know it so you know what to expect from either myself or anyone else that you would call your pastor one day. Because what happens so many times that disappoints us in church is we don't know what a pastor is or what he's supposed to do. So we, we see people and we look at their title. We have our perception of what they're supposed to be doing. So we judge them by our perception mm-hmm. instead of by what scripture actually says they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. The does that make sense? Yes. Right. And again, and, and it'll also help you, like I've said before, you know, I'll pick on a pastor that's not here. And so when we were in Canada, there was a, a great man, pastor, he called Pastor John Burns. I did air quotes there because Pastor John, you know, I love you, but you're not really a pastor. Uh, and so um, you're an evangelist, mm-hmm. right? How do I know that? Because that man can get folks saved like nobody's business. He opens his mouth and people come to Jesus, right? He can be talking about something way over here, <laughs> right? And people get saved, right? And stuff and, and all that. And so I look at, oh, Pastor John, he's, he's an evangelist. That's what he actually is. Well, the challenge with that is, is he pastors a church. So people expect him to pastor them and he can't so they get disappointed you're not a good pastor well no you're just he's a real good evangelist you're you're expecting the wrong thing from the wrong gift does, does that make sense mm-hmm. and it's a, and, and we have to understand that so you, you may understand because sometimes what happens is is we use the title of pastor because it's the mo it's it's the hammer in the toolbox yeah. Yeah. right well i don't we'll just call you pastor Right, yeah, you know, Here it is, just a pastor, so and so. Right, it's not you know?
3: Normal to hear evangelist so and so in a church yep. in Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. Oh. Know, it paints a different picture immediately, yeah. and you're like, oh, tent revivals and traveling around the world. And,
1: yeah.
0: yeah, but who's the bigger dummy if I call my screwdriver a hammer? That's true. I am. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not the screwdriver's fault. It's the screwdriver. That's true. Right. But if I say, no, it's my hammer, and I'm going to go to that screwdriver and expect some hammering, am I shocked when I'm disappointed? No, because I'm expecting the wrong thing from the wrong tool in the toolbox. Does, does that make sense? So what do pastors do? Let's back up. And a, <laughs> yes. And the
2: screwdriver can hammer
0: a little bit. It can it's, it's not really, really good. <laughs>
2: it's, it's, it'll
0: do a little. A it'll little, be okay. Little. It's not what it is. Exactly right. It's exactly right. It's
2: not going to be effective.
0: It's not going to be as effective as an actual hammer. Right. So go to Jeremiah. And we're going to look at two passages here. And then if somebody wants to Google a New Testament passage where it talks about your overseers, I think it's in the book of 1 Peter. So somebody can find the reference where Peter talks about the overseers. All right, so Jeremiah chapter three. We have to start in verse 14. We want to necessarily unpack verse 14, but we'll read down to verse 15 where God says, Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. I know it's verse 15. And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Right? So you're going to see an interesting pattern here in Jeremiah where God repeats this. He says, I will give you shepherds according to my heart. Right? According to God's heart, he would send forth pastors. Right? You'll notice here, and it says, and these pastors will feed you. Now, before we go any further, I'm going to say this clear. One of the jobs that I carry is it's my job to feed you. Right? But I have to define that term. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because this is another place where we get kind of tripped up. Because we live in a restaurant and Chinese buffet <coughs> culture, right? The term feeding means a whole lot different than what an actual pastor does. Has anybody actually seen an actual, sure enough, real life shepherd? Anybody ever seen a real shepherd? No. Like the 10s, real sheep. Yeah. No, so okay. So the, most, most people, some people have. I
2: was
3: in Israel in 2004. And you had shepherds in Israel. Oh, there were
0: sheep in Israel. Oh, <laughs> that's right. And they stayed. <laughs> that's where I saw them. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, most of them again. So, we, I've seen them in Israel. We've seen a lot of them in Guatemala. Lots of them in Mexico. Shepherds. Now, here's the thing. Most of the rest of us, we really haven't seen a shepherd yet. We know what it is. Yes. We understand the term.
3: It's just not part of the our term. culture.
0: That's exactly right. Oh, so yeah.
3: We had cowboys, y'all. We just
0: like So, do I now? Oh, okay. So is um, so here. How many of you ever seen how a shepherd feeds sheep? Somebody tell me. How does a shepherd feed sheep? Just them the food is, watch them eat. Very good. Shepherds lead sheep to pasture, and the sheep eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only time a shepherd actually. Hand feeds a sheep. It's either a baby that's lost its mama, or has been rejected, or it's a sick sheep. But when you got a shepherd that's got healthy sheep, he's not out there cutting little bowls full of grass. (laughs) You know, going Tony, does that look good to you, Tony? Is that can I can is that is that is this going to be a good series for you?
2: Right, can can I?
0: Can I get a and I know I'm going to pick on some people. Please hear me, okay? Can I get a poll of what you would like to hear? Yeah, yeah. Can Can I find out what it is Come you on. want to know? Right? That's and like let, asking a
3: kindergartner
0: if they want chicken tenders or salad. That's true. It's true. And so, so we <laughs> obviously um, going
3: to pick something that
0: they want. <laughs> so this kind of stuff. That, so please hear me because I, I know there's a church in town that does that quite heavily, and it's I'm not saying it's wrong or evil or wicked. I'm just saying we don't see it here, right? Because the shepherd leads the sheep to the pasture that's needed for them. When you understand shepherds, and if you do a little bit of study, it's interesting. For example, we had quite a number of um, Swiss friends. So every spring, about this time of year in Switzerland, the shepherds take the sheep to a different kind of pasture. They take them to the high new growth alpine pastures that are just breaking out. And the reason why is that the milk that is in the cream that is produced and later the butter that is produced is saved for the whole year because it's full of different vitamins, minerals, stuff. They make special butters and cheeses and stuff. And it's called spring butter and spring cheese and spring milk. And it's different and it's different color, different stuff, has different things in it. So a good shepherd knows how to move his sheep for the benefit of those who will benefit from the sheep. So there's there's an analogy why God says that there's wisdom and there's a shepherd that will lead them according to God's heart. God being the chief shepherd, he will show us we need to go here to feed. We need to go here to feed. We need to go here, yes. So
1: I'm finding some, he's been speaking to me through the good and faithful servant reference of of the good and faithful servant serves each man according to his need. Yeah. Would you classify that as a whole or would you see it more as specificity? The good and faithful servant serving specific? Do you
0: know where I'm going with that? Uh, Sort of. Cause talk a little bit more.
1: Cause so like, so for me, what I'm learning from that verse is, um, you know, I'm going to go, if I've got a group of 12 women, which I do back in my, back in my hometown, and we're learning how to do life together, and I'm, I'm taking back a lot of this, and it's yeah. just watering what I did for a year and a half at Bethel, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I don't tell Miss Judy everything the same way that I tell Miss Jody, you know? It's yeah. like I have different meals prepared for them at a specific time in a specific way according to their need. Yes. You know, according to where they're at. But at the same time, when we're in a corporate
0: setting, there is that pasture that's presented. Yeah, and you could—I I would a little bit. I, I, yes, I see what you're saying in the sense of as I like you. To
2: breathe on. Yes,
0: me. as you <laughs> as you talk to people, you may be led to different things. When we talk about feeding God's people, again, the best thing a shepherd can do is—and I'm going to now flip it to something we would understand. You know, I've got six little sheep in our little little. There's my oldest sheep. There's my next sheep. I got, you know, four other sheep back there. I got my little. Yeah, the other eat a lot. But (laughs) here's the thing. I teach you how to cook. So that you can feed yourself. And even though you will benefit from when I cook. Boy, do we ever. Right. It's amazing. Right. You benefit from when I cook. My goal is to teach you how to cook. Yes, Right. See, a, a shepherd leads the sheep to a place and opens up a field of thought, a field of study yeah. and invites the sheep in and said, let us feed here for a season. Yeah. Yeah. And he turns in the good, healthy sheep, they'll just shove their nose and start feeding. Yeah. Right. And he might. Yes, he might nudge one over and say, hey, why don't you take a nibble of that over there just for a minute? Right, why don't you look over there at that. Like you said, Miss Judy. Uh, Miss Judy, why don't you just, have you you ever considered looking at this piece? Have you ever thought about nudging it like that? And the shepherd, but the shepherd doesn't cook for them and shouldn't all the time. And in our current church culture, we treat the church more like a restaurant than a culinary school. What would you consider cooking? Huh? What would you consider
1: cooking?
0: So you need to know Bible interpretation. So that is something that I need to teach all of y'all because I more and more realize that most people don't know how to interpret their Bible. So you need to know how to interpret the Bible for yourself. It's the reason why you keep hearing me bring up these things about you need to study church history, ancient and modern, because you need to know where you came from, because you need to understand that what you're experiencing today isn't really new. It's just the faithful passing of the torch yeah. over multiple generations. But see, we can't always sell it like that because we got to put the Wheaties in a new box.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, and, and it's a little bit of that church bait and switch. Our church is new and improved.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we know all the things. We know all the things. We that know all the things.
1: Right?
0: <laughs> Does that so as you look at this kind of stuff? Come on, Miss Tabitha. Come on. Uh oh. Uh oh. Oh, this looks bad. (laughs) Everybody okay? What'd y'all do? What'd you do? We were playing, and we went a bit too far. You you went you went a bit too far with each other. Yeah. Did y'all get into something? All right. Well, y'all look at everybody okay? All right. Did y'all make it right? Alright, we all friends? Yeah. Alright, why don't you come next to him? Alright, and you just sit in here if you stir stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. Boys do that, right? Things happen. Alright? it's the good thing about boys. You shake it off, it's all good. Yeah. This easy for boys to shake it off. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, just hey, just remember that that remember we, we make we make time and allowances for each other so we can have each other, right? And we, and we understand that what we do with each other is the greatest thing we do, right? So even though sometimes it goes too far, we always watch and guard and remember because the people God stewards us with, right, and gives us to steward, they, those are the most important gifts we got, okay? All right, boys? Okay, good. So, um, So anyway, so... Uh, as we look at this, and we what do we need? We need Bible interpretation, we need church history, we need a charismatic perspective. We need to understand how the books all work together. Right? It's called uh, New Testament and Old Testament survey or overview. How do the books interlace with each other? How do they fit? Right? You, you need to understand how you can how and why you can trust the Scriptures. Right. Because there have been historically under attack.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And it's every day. It's nothing new. All the skepticism that is there today has been there since the beginning. That's right. right. But how can you know that this is more than just a book, that this actually is a divine living thing that God crafted and created and God has preserved? Right. So that you can know and have confidence that faith can come. Does that make sense? So these are all those kind of things. And then from in that, there are topics and there's things that God will lead us to and nudge us into and and things like that. But when we talk about feeding, that's what looks like, from my perspective, I'm a good pastor when I teach you how to cook. Not that I will never cease cooking for you. But if all I do is cook for you, and you never learn how to cook, you're now dependent on me. Mm-hmm. Right? Well,
3: that's good that you say that because I feel like we're all, all people like in Ratatouille where we don't believe anyone can cook. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> we don't believe some, most of the time we just, sorry, I think in Disney. <laughs> that's the job like, Yeah. Like, um, but, but, like, a lot of people think, oh, well, I can't do that because I'm not the pastor or I can't interpret it because, you know, it's mm-hmm. a... They're kind of put on a pedestal
0: or
2: whatever, and but you know, every everybody can
0: you know cook if they really you know. So we're a royal priesthood. Yeah. So we're all part of that. Yeah. Very cool. Well, fast forward now, Jeremiah chapter twenty-three, and let's look at some more of this. Everybody okay? Mm-hmm. Everybody doing good? Hopefully this is helpful. It is. Good. because it's through this process you've heard me say this before I've had to learn that sometimes I have to be willing to be thought of as a bad pastor in order to have a shot at being a good one right and that's why you hear me say things like uh, I don't and won't disciple your children for you right because that's that's not my job right that's 24-7 It is. I will help you and I will help you that's part of feeding you I will help you know how to right but I've learned to stop making false promises that if you'll just bring your kiddos to my program they will mystically magically turn into believers right Mm -hmm. (laughs) does does that make sense right Mm -hmm. it's those kind of things again I've had to learn to say okay I'm going to resign from being the spiritual cruise director right and just be a pastor which means, okay, let's let, let's go over here. Right, let's go over here and let's feed over here for a season. Right, and let's answer and ask questions. And let's do some things that we see Jesus did. And let's do, here's one that stuck out to me. Anybody got Who's got an old King Jimmy? Anybody old King Jimmy? Oh, I no, knew Kevin, I could count on Kevin. Yeah. I knew <laughs> Kevin could count on that. So I'm going to read it, new Jimmy, and then I want you to read something. Jeremiah chapter 23. I'm going to read. Four verses, and then, Kevin, I'm going to have you read verse 2 in just a minute. So here, Jeremiah says in verse 1, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, says the Lord God of Israel, against these shepherds who feed my people, you have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doing, says the Lord. Ever something you want to hear God say. Well, we're getting to it in just a minute. Okay, so hold on. Yeah, but I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. And it says in verse 4, and I will set up shepherds over them. Now notice this. Here's what God's shepherds will do. Who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Amen. So the product of good pastoring is you'll be fed. Through that leading and being fed, you'll fear no more, you'll no longer be dismayed, and you'll no longer lack. So right. But now back up. Read verse 2 for me, Kevin, please. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, against the pastors that feed my people ye have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. Now, read that, that last phrase right before it says, uh, I will tend to you. What does it say? You'll be driven away in. Yes. And, and, thought, driven away and. and mm-hmm. have not visited them. Have not visited them. This is an interesting word because I looked at it and it is a highly relational That's deep. word. Yeah. He says, he's God speaking to these shepherds of Israel and says, this is what I have against you. You haven't built relationship yeah. with my people.
2: That's true.
0: How can you pastor people that you do not know? How can you pastor people that you haven't sat in their home? how can you you have in it's interesting he goes that word visit means like we know a visit a good old southern visit hey miss Stace, can i come to your house i want to visit
2: sure.
0: right yeah. all right good <laughs> that's what that word is it's a good old southern get out the sweet tea you know a we're gonna we're visit. gonna yes. you know and i remember it it's kind of, it's almost it really has kind of a connotation when we lived in mexico a little bit different culture but we lived in mexico there was a family in the church and it was a real busy conference week oh and all this kind of stuff and they had been wanting us to come over and so we went over after church and we were there for 3 hours eating lunch with these people and we had to get back to the church for the evening session and our host was quite upset at us and he says, "Well, you know, the next time I expect you to come for a proper visit."
1: <laughs> oh, was
0: it wasn't long enough. It wasn't long <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> please, please come when you can actually come for a proper visit, because this is—we went through a lot of effort too. to have you. Wow. We want to oh, sit wow. and talk to you. We want to get to know I feel you.
3: Ashamed.
1: I'm, sorry, and, and so, I'm so sorry. I feel I'm
0: sorry, so sorry. You know, but but that's that kind of word. It and that's the instruction. That's the instruction mm-hmm. to shepherds. You'll feed the people, and you will visit the people. Right. You've all um, heard when Jesus talked about, my sheep know my voice. Right. you Remember that? And the voice of another, they shall not follow. If you don't know, here's a little bit of the cultural history behind that phrase that was in that culture. So in that time period, when they went at night and they would, shepherds gathered in the field at night and watched over their flock. Remember the Christmas story? That was a lot bigger than the three we normally have on the Christmas card. Well, what happened is, is shepherds in a region would bring all of their sheep to the common fold. So every shepherd across that, let's say that county... There was a common sheepfold for all shepherds.
3: That gives you a new meaning when you say my my sheep hear my voice. Yes.
0: Because there's a ton of other sheep in there with them. Well, here's what here's even more. Let me let me just go for you just for a second, right? So this is what would happen: is all the shepherds would bring all of their sheep to the common fold because then at night shepherds could sleep because they could take turn watching. Because they had everybody's sheep in one pen, so they did like the military, they would have set guards and watches that would watch through the night so others could sleep and these could be done. But in the morning, when it got time to wake up, throughout the days, the shepherd, each shepherd had his own phrase, his own sound, (laughs) that he made all the time to his sheep, Mm -hmm. all the time in the field. He had a key phrase, word, sound, whistle, something. And he would make it constantly with his sheep. So what he would do is he would stand at the door of the sheepfold, and he would call out in his voice, and all of his sheep would raise their head, and the voice of another they would not follow. That's right?
1: so profound.
0: So see, that's, the, that's all part of this kind of stuff, that, that this idea of biblical shepherds, you should know, and not just you should know the sound of my voice. You should know the sound of my voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't know my voice, I'm probably not your pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but you know somebody's voice. Does that make sense? Yes. Right. And and so that's that that's that thing. So us that are wanting and willing to be pastors, it's it's the. It's the privilege and the duty of us to open up our lives enough for you to know our voice, right? And, and to see if it's the voice. Not that when I say that you would follow me, not blindly, stupidly. Again, if, if I get up here and say something stupid, you should leave. Right. Or just, me, or just tell me, just tell me, hey, Brad, that was stupid. I really did. <laughs> you know, but if I, if I say something very anti-biblical, good, yeah, where'd you get, where'd that come from, Brent? You know, or you should say, that doesn't sound like you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I right? didn't recognize yeah. I didn't recognize that. That's not, that's not coming from who I know. Yeah, that's good. The, the, but it's this idea of visiting, of being with one another, dwelling with one another, abiding with one another, sharing and doing life with one another. In this very, does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. Does, does that help in, in those kind of things? So it's a very. I tell people all the time, um, it's the person you call when the brown smelly stuff of life hits the fan. Right.
2: Hits
0: the fan. <laughs> yeah, the ventilation unit, right? When the brown smelly stuff of life hits the ventilation that. unit, That's right, and you pick up the phone, who you call? You want to pay attention to who you call because they might be your pastor. (laughs) They they might be the one Mm. that is pastoring you. Now, what has to happen is, is when we grow as local bodies and the numbers get larger, that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not advocating that there's no church growth. Mm -hmm. It's just we have to realize that there will be more pastors present. Does that make sense? And, and those who lead, I've had to learn, I have to be okay with that. I have to realize that there are folks who, y'all won't call me. And that's okay. And that's okay. Does it, <laughs> I just want to know, who are you calling, right, and this, for this reason, so I can pastor them. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you see this as it comes down? Now we step into the wisdom of the Jethro thing as things come. And it all trickles down, but you should know who that is. It's, it's, I'm going to pause right there. Y'all look how many strains. Is all yeah, hitting everybody okay? We're processing, we're processing everybody I'm chewing. Wondering. Does this sound totally weird no, 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 to anybody? No, 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 oh,
1: Sounds like we had never had a pastor. <laughs> yeah, I never.
0: Yeah, this is good. Yes, yeah, Miss Eloise. Many people never have been truly pastored, unfortunately.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Unfortunately. I mean, again, you, you, uh, you. Uh, you know, you excited me and broke my heart that day and you said, I've never had a pastor call me before.
3: I hadn't.
0: And see so that that should we never be. We were in the
3: church for fifteen years. And when Don died, that man never come.
2: Mm.
3: He never called. Mm. And I was bad mad at him anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but when he came to the funeral,
3: he was just all eating crow. And I just told him that's okay. Thank you for
2: coming. Yeah. And that did away
0: with it. I wasn't mad no more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but does that make sense? So, so I want to make sure we're understanding this so y'all know what, A, what to expect from me mm-hmm. and know why I do what I do around here. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's why I, I will, with the best of my ability, never overstack our calendar. Yep. We will not... Be an event driven place. Now, we will have events. They will be scarce. I, amen. amen. And that, to my daughter, who <laughs> is not here, to my wife, is not. So we will have events like we did the other time. They will, they will be special times, right? But I want us to be relationally centered, That's huge. right? I want us to be yeah. be centered around two things. I want us to be centered around the man, Jesus Christ. And I want us to be centered around each other, yeah. right?
3: Our culture is so relationally starved, like you said before, and it it made me like really realize that I don't really have a lot of friends who are broke, poor, and they can't eat, which there still is very much a like poverty line. So I'm not saying that it's gone and we're fine, you know. But the, the majority of the people that I know are doing well financially but they're not doing well relationally. Like they might have the newest this or the newest that, or their house is huge and they have all the cool whatevers or they're provided for. Like they have food on the table and they have clothes and all that stuff, but they don't have genuine people that they can just turn to when they actually need help. You know, Mm -hmm. And, and the people that they think are their friends, they might see each other every once in a while, but they're not like there for one another. Yeah, and, you know, it's more of a "Oh, hey, how are you doing?" Yeah, no, type thing.
0: So, well, we want to build deep relationships with each other, right? We want to. We I, I sent that verse out a few nights ago on the group me. Did y'all mm-hmm. read that in the group me that was there? Can somebody pull that up on or read it? Because it I gotta it, get in this group. Gotta get in this group me. We're not gonna together. Thank you. I'm trying.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, be gross.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Romans Romans, yeah. Romans 12, 9 through 13 Yeah, you got it there, Tony? Why don't you yep. read it for us, Tony? Please um, Love from the center of who you are Don't fake it Run for dear life from evil
2: Hold on from dear life to good Be good friends who love deeply Practice playing the second fiddle Don't burn out Keep yourself fueled in the flame Be alert servants of the master Cheerfully expectant don't quit in hard
0: times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians be inventive in hospitality. Very cool. That's awesome. So so with that, the two parts that, that stick out to me is that one, be good friends that deeply love each other. I love that one. Mm-hmm. Right? And practice playing second fiddle. Yeah.
1: What does that mean?
0: So it's the reason why if I'm the only person you hear talking around this place, I'm not practicing second fiddling. Oh, fiddle.
1: gotcha. <laughs> like being a backup
0: or something. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about like, I'm talking about like this. It's the reason why here we practice what I've learned and I call it, we, we do co-pastoring or team, pastoring team leadership, right? So you'll hear from her. She's actually speaking on Sunday. So please come. i with the father-son thing. She's going to do great. You'll hear from Kevin, right? Now we've redefined. So everybody I know Celine, I've asked her. But Selena's in a unique season where Selena's actually said uh, she wants to own the front end of stuff as she opens services and, and do so. You'll hear from her gifting there, right? But she goes, unless I just get something, uh, she wants us three to take the lead. Now, now as it grows, there's more people that you'll hear from. Thus, we will ask, what, what are you? We'll find out what you are. And when we can identify that, hey, listen, I think that that gifting you have is not just, if you will, quote unquote, private. And what I mean by private is, is that it's for the world. Public, when you hear me say the word public, means that it's for the demonstration inside the church. Some of your giftings, we'll find out, they're supposed to be up here too. So as we localize those and find them, just, just know how I do as we sit and talk to people and I listen to you, I'll look at you. I'll talk and you'll talk to me and I'll go something like, okay, great. So I need you to get this one ready now because you'll share it on this date. Mm -hmm. And I need you to get this ready over here and we'll put this in over here. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because that's part of feeding the sheep, right? Is I have to give you an opportunity to exercise the gift that you are. As we identify what you are. I would do you a disservice if I said, well, that's awesome, Savannah. Praise God. That's who you are. Hope that works out for you. Yeah. <laughs> Hope that goes. This is where we should grow in that kind of stuff. This is where we should be. Does, does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay, for, for time's sake, because we're, we're bumping up a little bit of time. Go with me to First Timothy chapter 3, because this will also help you understand the role of a pastor. Because us as pastors, and for my other pastors that are with us, these are our qualifications. All right. Did you know there are actually biblical qualifications for a pastor? How many of you have a doctor? Have a doctor, a, a medical doctor. How, how many of you? How many of you? How many of you uh, believe they're qualified? sometimes that kind of stuff we look at this kind of stuff
3: sometimes you doubt the wall
0: you doubt the wall well like
3: no like you know the little thing i'm certified as a you're like
0: but here's the thing but um we all go to people who would say yep they're qualified now they'll walk it out and we'll see if we stick with them there's other things that have to be done but there are qualifications for ministers especially pastors uh, it's one of the ones, pastors, as far as I can tell, is one of the fewer ones. Now, I think these can all apply. Uh, and let me back up just a little bit as we talk about Bible interpretation. Remember, First and Second Timothy and Titus are called the pastoral epistles. They are three letters written by Paul to his two spiritual sons, Timothy and Titus, the two closest, right? For us who desire to be a pastor... We should pay special attention to these letters. They're for us, right? We get a lot of instruction about our formation and who we are from these letters. Uh, everyone else, you can learn from them. I think the other ministry gifts have an application to them, I think they're applicable. So the qualifications for me, I would not disagree, are the quali- would be great qualifications for an apostle or a great qualification for someone who has the gift of giving or a great qualification for any New Testament believer. I think the reason why God singled out pastors in these letters is because we will be the most visible and we will be the most daily. Right, We will be the ones who will visit you. So you will have the most contact with a pastoral gift, right? So God said, and here's the the part. He said, and it's a wonderful privilege and should be a um, healthy healthy fear, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Because he says, you get to be the example to the flock. Mm -hmm. Now that word example we would best understand it like this as any of you ladies or guys, I don't know, have any of these ladies ever sewn? Any sewers, people who sew clothes and stuff like that? You, you, what do you use when you sew clothes? Yes. You, you use a pattern, right? And you lay the paper pattern down. Everybody okay? Is that one? She might have a concussion. She felt, she felt really hard and she's having a hard time breathing
1: because it hurts her head when she
2: breathes.
0: Okay, well, let's pray for that right now. Mm-hmm. Rose Aldra, can you go back and help Selena pray for Selah? Well, Father, in Jesus' name, we just speak over Sailor right now in her head, and we just speak a, just a calming of this in Jesus' name, a calming of what's going on, and just speak to her head to clear and the, the bell to quit ringing uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Very good, everybody. Y'all roughhousing out there, man. It's getting tumultuous. and. And stuff. Well, here we go. All right. <clears throat> so, as we, does this make sense? So, Paul uses the same word we would understand as pattern when he says example. Yeah, good. Paul says, as pastors, you will be a pattern that people can lay down over their life. And while they start and walk in their journey with God, they can lay you down and help use you as a pattern. To help cut their life out with. That is a very wonderful privilege and a very scary responsibility. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? That's why you just have to understand that. Now, that's not condemnation. That shouldn't, that's not legalism, but it's just an understanding. Oh, okay, I am volunteering (laughs) to say, okay, God, I will respond and I will lay my life down as a pattern. Right, so that Bailey and Sophia and Stacy and Teresa and Miss Eloise and Penny and Tony and Audra and Zoe and Savannah and Delaine and Kevin, even these two knuckleheads back here, they, right, they can lay their life down and they can use my life as a pattern when it gets cloudy and fuzzy and they don't know what to do and they don't know what. They can have someone to turn in the natural and look at it and go, oh, okay, I can watch that. That's why Paul uses an interesting word in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when he says, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Right? So it's a big, this just makes sense. So here, here it is. And we'll read this and we'll walk through this a little bit. And then we're going to stop for time's sake. And y'all ask any questions as much as you want. Okay? So... 1 Timothy chapter 3. Very, I'm always astounded by this first verse. This is a faithful saying, Paul says. Love, there's a whole collection. If you've ever never want a great study to do is to just Google Paul's faithful sayings. He says that about a half a dozen times in the New Testament. This is a faithful saying. This is a faithful saying. Worthy of all acceptance. Right? And he's giving you these little, little grandpa quotes that he throws out there. And this is one of Paul's grandpa quotes. If a man desires the position of a bishop or pastor, he desires a good work. Can I stop right there? Notice he doesn't say if a man is called. (laughs) He doesn't say if a man is anointed. He says if a man desires. Because listen to me, you never want to be pastored by somebody who doesn't want to be a pastor. (laughs) <laughs> if you've got somebody up there and you hear them say things like, "Well, God made me do this," right?
2: I like people. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, and again, y'all have heard me say that. if you want to rub my cat backwards and get Brad riled up, oh, is nice. when is for somebody stands up and says, "Well, you know, minister would be awesome if it wasn't for people." Right? I heard people say that. I know, like, from the pulpit to the people. Yeah, yeah. that's an awesome. <laughs> And so anyway, so all this kind of stuff. So this lets us know right now. Hey, and if I can do this, because how many of you heard this or you've heard something like this? You know, if you want it, that's bad.
3: Or it's conceded that you want to be in front of people. Yeah. You know, like, cause you, why do you think you're so high and mighty? You yeah. know, you're like, geez, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, well,
0: here, <laughs> here Paul starts the discourse by saying, hey, listen, remember, this is for those that want it. I'm about to talk to you about something if you want it. But you got to want it. Guys, I want to be your pastor. These two here, they want to be your pastor. Selena wants to be your pastor. It's our desire to do this, right? We don't feel forced. We don't feel drudgingly obligated. Does that make sense? You know, it says here, it says verse two, a bishop then must be blameless, there's the first one, and there is a, and this is worth a good word study for us pastors, must be blameless. Now, what that means is, and you'll see this repeated, and you'll notice this real quick for time's sake, that most of these qualifications have nothing to do with aptitude. What's aptitude? Ability. Okay. They have only to do with character. Okay. So that means blameless. It means if you hear somebody out in our community, well, that old Pastor Brad over there, And they say something You should not go Something bad Yeah it sounds like him (laughs) (laughs) Yeah it sounds like something he'd do You know what I mean (laughs) That's our boy That's right. You know know, Blameless should be You know it should be You'd be like Him? Are you sure? I don't know Right. Does that make sense? So blame this says the husband of one wife. Now, now let me be clear about this. This is a, a whole bunch to unpack here. I am not saying nor do I believe that means if you're divorced, you cannot pastor. OK, that to me is a misinterpretation. It means you should not be practicing polygamy is what it means. Wife at a time. one wife at a time. if you've got one you should only have one right <laughs> You know what I mean and, 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 and when you look at this kind of stuff that's what that means because here's the reason why and not to go too far because I know I've got some little ears here right but here's here's the reason why Not' so, it's the little ears It's like this. Paul said about marriage in Ephesians chapter 5. Marriage between a husband and a wife is like Jesus and the church. Right? So what is the only one thing that I can do with my wife? That I can't do with any other lady on the planet? You don't have to answer that question out loud. Does that make sense? Right. What is is that one thing? Right? Listen. (laughs) For all the I
1: was about to just say it. Okay.
0: <laughs> 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 huh? Well, because it's a holy thing. It is true. It's a holy thing. But so here's here's what we do. But it's the same thing. So I have I have one God. What is the only thing I do with my one God? Worship Him. I only worship Him. Mm. And Him only do I serve. See, now you understand why pastors are asked to only be married to one person at a time. Because you're standing up and saying, I'm demonstrating not just monogamy, I'm, I'm demonstrating monogamy of heart to God. Right? It's how we understand. Because the word polygamy never appears in the New Testament or in the Bible at all in that word. But the concept that polygamy is not God's will is throughout the entirety of Scripture. For this reason. So us who are examples. That's why that's there. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean that if you're divorced. That you can't pastor again. It just means. Okay. Just please be married to one person.
1: It's because it's such a heavy
0: call. Yes. Absolutely. Good. We okay? Okay. She okay back there? Alright. Good. Just checking. Look at that. It says this. It means temperate. Temperate means self-controlled. Right? It means that I should not be an excessive soul around the, the, the world. Does that make sense? And all kinds of stuff. No, my king, mm-hmm. is Vigilant. Vigilant. There is a vigilance that is in there. There's that one also next called sober minded. Mm-hmm. Right? That sober mindedness is like vigilance as well. It's that whole I am aware. I am um, awake in my thinking. I'm aware of what's going on. Right? I'm not. Um, how do I say this without? I'm going to say this, but I don't mean it the way it's going to sound. Okay, I'm, I'm not ADHD. Not talking like literally. <laughs> I'm talking about I got to be able to have my mind in control yeah, yeah. and be able to focus. Yeah. And if I'm like an ADHD squirrel yeah. and I'm bouncing all over the place and I can't concentrate, right? Then I now please hear me. I like what Brother Hagen used to say. If we read through this list. And you're here and wanting to be a minister, you're wanting to pastor or do anything, and you read through this list and you go, well, dang, I don't qualify. Brother Hager used to say this, he goes, please don't stop, the, quit the ministry, just go get qualified. <laughs> if, it, if I read anything in here and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm real weak there, because I can read some stuff in here and go, yeah, I'm kind of weak right there. Okay, well, don't get out, yeah. just come to Father and say, Lord, help me strengthen up this piece. I need to get qualified here. Does that make sense? So, right. Is it vigilant in your <clears> temperant? <throat> temperant. Well, temperant has an idea of vigilance in it, but temperant is that vigilance, remember, Kevin, is like self-control. There's no one more self-controlled in the military than the dude that scan, stand in guard duty. The dude that has got the most boring job on the planet. Yet his life is there. He's everybody else has their life in his hands. Does that make sense? Right? So he is vigilant because he is self-controlled. He is temperate. He knows how to say, no, we're going to be awake right now. <laughs> no, we're going to be praying right now. No, we're going to do this right now. I am temperate. I am self-controlled. I am vigilant. I am sober-minded. I am of good behavior. That might be one where I need a little help. But sometimes my. I'm not the the best behaved person, right? Here's a big one. Now, this is one of the few that is an aptitude word. He is hospitable. Remember that word? I wanted to read this list. Remember that word we talked about in Jeremiah 23, that he visited them? It's interesting that God tells in the New Testament, tells pastors, hey, one of your qualifications is you must be hospitable. Now, I love that word in the Greek language. The word hospitable means you are a lover of strangers, you love people that are not like you and you love people that you do not know. You are a lover of strangers, but you are hospitable. This is why, have you ever wondered why I make crazy statements and I stand up and say, and I'll say it again. So everybody tell me, what time is dinner? Six o'clock. Six o'clock. It's at my house. You're, you're welcome. Please show up. You don't have to call. Just come. Now, more and more, I'm getting fuller. I may, I may not be there, but they will be there. And you're still well. Does, does, does that make sense? But what time's dinner? Six, Six o'clock. o'clock. Why do I open up my home like that? You're given to hospitality. I'm given to hospitality because it's one of my qualifications. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm given to hospitality. It's one of my qualifications. But also, who am I trying to, to lead? <laughs> you guys. Remember, these are all about being examples, right? All that kind of stuff, amen? So the next one is one of the few aptitude ones. It's the one called apt or able to teach. Isn't that interesting that in the list of qualifications, he uses that same word we looked at the other three lists, teach. I should spirit? have an ability to teach you whatever. Bible stuff, live stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> well, here's make it applicable. Here's the thing that I love in y'all don't know him. So if like I'm talking about, about Uncle Jesse in Canada, mm-hmm. and, and he is still probably one of the closest men in my life. He is one of my Timothy's. <laughs> and y'all hopefully get to meet him all one day. Um, some of you have met him, but Jesse is there. And so Jesse goes, Brandy he goes, man, he goes, you taught me so much. And he looked at me and says, you taught me how to use a circular saw. You taught me, right? Again, it's this kind of stuff that you taught me. He had this thing It's so funny. You have to, once you meet Jesse, you'll understand a lot of my stories about Jesse. But, um, but Jesse is quite a city slicker, we'd say, in Alabama. He's not necessarily a country dude um, and stuff. So he's there. So he calls me. Dead of, remember this? Dead of the night one night. He goes, Brad. He goes, I need you. And I'm thinking, oh, God, what's, what? what's going on? He goes, I think there's a rat in my house. <laughs> and I said, okay. I said, he goes, can you come help me? I said, yeah, sure. Here we go. And so I literally go over to his house, and him and I play Billy the Exterminator <laughs> as I'm tracing rat droppings. And we come up and we come around and we're looking and stuff like that and found it tucked away in one of his loafers in in his shoe bin <laughs> <laughs> and stuff he's, he, I mean, he's wow. like <laughs> the,
3: the picture like man model dude on like vogue like he's always he's always got like yeah he's very he's very, very trendy. trendy he loves shopping <clears> like his wife hates it but he he looked at me one day and he's like so if you want to shop I'm like when it's not my money you know and he went and Shopping and like it was super cool, but he's just he doesn't really like, like, daddy. he's a city slicker, he's
0: not about to yeah. go. But so, anyway, let's, let's read this. This, this makes sense. This is all helping because, again, these are things you could look for in me. This is this is part of my job description, yeah. right? So, if you look at this, it says Abel says, verse three, uh, not given to wine, and what that means, like, not given to anything. Right, that I am not given to. uh, Y'all see me drink a lot of coffee. I enjoy coffee, but I am not given to coffee. (laughs) Right, those guys. You're just
2: not controlled by
0: it. Yes, you're not controlled. I don't have to have anything that controls me, or that comforts me, or that calms me beyond God. Does that make sense? I'm not given to Krispy Kreme donuts, even though I make fun about it. You know, I'm not. I'm not (laughs) given to stuff. Right. when when you shake no, it's, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you when you when, when, you, turn, when you turn to it, that's very good. When you
2: turn to it for comfort, you
3: turn to it to forget. You turn to it for to, sanity. To eat, you turn to, it
0: to eat your feelings.
3: To eat your feelings.
1: When you go to that mm. rather than to the Word and to the, mm. the presence of God into
0: mm. to mm-hmm.
3: uh, wise counsel, okay, now you're given to
1: it. You're given to it's it. It's like a trigger.
0: Yeah. A trigger yeah. Yeah, or it that. So that. I, I hear people say that. I'll say, well, again, I'll pick on coffee. Well, you know, I just don't talk to me until I have my coffee.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Or I'm not a nice person until I have my coffee. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or if I don't have my coffee. I'm
3: not responsible
0: for what, what I, I, I do do say until I have my coffee. You're given to that then. Mm-hmm. Right. So, not violent. Pretty self explanatory. <laughs> right. Uh, I like not greedy for money. Right, not running around constantly. Again, you hear me jokingly saying it is a joke. We're going to do some spiritual. Let's take up an offering. I do not mean that. That is just strictly one of my favorite jokes I've ever heard. But uh, it's it's that. But not greedy. For I just got to have it. Got to have it. Got to have. Got to have. have, Right. But gentle. So here's one of my qualifications. I need to be gentle. I love that word gentle. It means. One that suggests a character that is equitable, reasonable, forbearing, moderate, fair, and considerate. It is the opposite of harsh, abrasive, sarcastic, cruel, and contentious. I probably have to work on my sarcastic part. Okay, yes, we'll be please. a little bit sarcastic. Uh, out of the Spiritful Life Bible. By the way, this is my favorite Bible. This is number three for yes, me, three or three four. So every every good every good believer, you need a Bible you can study. You need, a, you need a sword that you know how to play with. Right. And you need a Bible you can read. Sure. Absolutely.
3: I, I
1: like that, that version. It just, the, the, it's got a lot of fillers. And it was
0: distracting for me. But yeah. what well, you find something that fits you. But like, that's a really good Well, that's why I say, Savannah, you need two Bibles. Yeah. This is a Bible that I study. This Bible, I, I, I know it so well. I, I study this Bible. I know how it works, yeah. right? Oh, I know how the fillers fit yeah. and what they do. And I agree with probably 80% of them, yeah. right? Uh, but I know how it works. But you need a Bible you can read. I like the New Living Translation, mm-hmm. a Bible. If I'm just going to read a book of the Bible, I don't want filler. Yeah, yeah. I just want a Bible I can read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can't read King, even New King Jimmy, it's hard for me to read. So if I'm just going to read something... To get the context, I'll read the New Living Translation. Yeah, no, this is New King Jimmy oh, that's right. when I study it. So, Just because it's familiar to me. Because mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. used it for 20-something years now. Um, so it says, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. Mm-hmm. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man doesn't know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Right. So when I look at this kind of stuff, if you say, why do we take raising our children so seriously? It's because it's one of our greatest qualifiers. What passage is this? this is in First Timothy, chapter three, verses four and five.
3: That just makes the pastor and deacon kids joke so much
0: worse. It like, does, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Well, and again, those kind of things are there. But it's it's why, again, if you look at that's so why I hope if you see when you see a pastor, Spending time with his kids, we should praise that for multiple reasons. It's awesome that he's doing it, but it's also because in me learning how to disciple them, I'm learning how to disciple you. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And if I don't know how to do that with them, and if I can be a little bit bold, and I don't mean because I know there are a lot of PK jokes and a lot of other kind of jokes... But if you run into a person who they got no control over their household, they have no control over their kiddos and, and they are the atypical pastor's kids and stuff, that should be a little bit of a red light on the dashboard.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And right. it's usually because they're neglected.
0: It's usually because they're neglected. It yeah, is, yeah. usually because the pastor does, usually because he's too busy being a cruise director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, does that make sense? He's. Yeah. He's, he's too busy in the institution, and he's forgotten. And that's why, again, that's why I say... possibly
3: not discipling anybody.
0: Exactly. Yeah. More than likely, he's not discipling a soul. Right? So, now, verse 6, it says, not a novice. That means not a new believer. What it means, not a novice to pastoring, because all of us was a novice at some point pastoring. This means when it says not a novice, they should not be a new believer. So you should run in holy terror, the moment some super spectacular testimony person gets saved and the next thing you hear is three months later they're the pastor at some church. You should scream and run out the door, right? For real, one of the biggest things I have seen is they go too fast. Somebody gets a super duper salvation experience and they get pushed into ministry
2: Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, they have aptitude, or they have good personality,
1: or they have a good heart. Mm-hmm. And they push them into a leadership position yeah. when they're a baby. And That's it's right. It's really a yeah. recipe for disaster, not yeah. just for who they're trying to lead, but for that baby Christian's life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing, and here's why. Not a novice. It says, least, doesn't say, maybe, possible, hmm. I mean, it says, he will, <laughs> He'd be puffed up with pride and fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Blessed.
2: jesus
0: lest yeah. God. Right. It, it is the kind of the, when the, when we shove new believers into these kind of positions, we set them up to experience yes. the same thing as the devil. Get the super Christian stuff. Mm-hmm. Have a super-duper, right? So, moreover, it says in verse 7, he must have a good testimony of those who are on the outside, lest he fall into reproach and a snare of the devil. Does that make sense? So, this tells me two things. A, I should have a good testimony with people in our community and in our world. Yeah. B, that means they should know who in the world I am. Yeah, no kidding. You can't
3: have a
1: good testimony if you don't have a it, testimony at
0: all. Yeah, if they don't know me, yeah. right? If I'm not known... Where we're pastoring, if I'm not known in the community, if I'm not known, that again to, to give kudos to Bethel it's something I love about Bethel's culture is that whole place they, they that city knows them yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. they do right? yeah, Redding they, well. Redding, Redding, they yeah. intentionally go out into their city yeah. and the city knows them yeah. right, and they are known right, so I should be known by our cities, I should be known by stuff as a visitor there you can almost walk up to somebody and go, Bethel, not Beful." Mm-hmm. You can't. I mean, it's that distinct. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They're that known. They're that known. And we're also really persecuted in the city too. But yeah. it's
1: beautiful yeah. because there's so much
0: good. Absolutely,
1: and It's like it overshadows everything. It's
0: awesome. But they're no. They, but they have a good <laughs> testimony,
2: <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: so does that make sense? So this is that. This is kind of that's what a pastor looks like. Yeah, so what I just read you is that's what a pastor looks like. Now again, please hear me. We give lots of grace and mercy again, because am I, am I all of this list? Lord Jesus, I am not. Amen. I, am, I want to be, but I ain't there yet. Right? So again, I'm going to follow the advice of Brother Hagan. I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to go, okay, I need to get qualified. I need the Lord help me in this area. Help me strengthen up this one. Again, and I'll just be I got to stop being so cynical and so sarcastic sometimes. Right? It's, it's, it's not a spiritual gift. It's probably a spirit of the devil yeah it's you know something anyway so does that make sense but that's what it looks like what is what is my primary function my primary function is to feed you and equip you for the work of the ministry how do i feed you i don't feed you by i study 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 and i put together a spiritual buffet and go would you like some of what i've got Mm -hmm. right I endeavor to follow what I believe the Lord leading us to do, and I open doorways or gateways into pastures of spiritual thought and meditation, and I say, let us feed here in this field for a while. And when we feed about it, remember a good old sheep? They're they're, uh, one of those cud-chewing critters. Remember, feeding of that is also that whole, we should go feed, we should go sit up somewhere and bring it back up and go, let's talk about that for a second. Let's chew on it a little bit more. And we'll swallow it again. And maybe next week we'll bring it back up again and go, let's chew on that some more. I know it's a very nasty picture for us, but it's a beautiful picture of what we should do. This is feeding you. If, if the only time you, again, if, the, if only you hear me say something on a Sunday and that's the last time we ever hear it said, I've, I've probably done a poor job. That's why I've learned one of my primary jobs is, is I'm here to provoke conversation. It's why I constantly come to this time and go, okay, let's talk about this. What's your questions? What's going on? I'm trying to provoke that meditative stuff so we can drive that feeding a little bit deeper into our hearts. Does that make sense? But I lead us into that. Then I get to know you by visiting you, being with you both here in your own homes, have you into my home. And we get to know one another so that I can know what you're gifted for. So that now I know how to equip you. I now know how to, in, in private, I know how to help nudge you forward. And in public, I know how to help nudge you forward. Does that, does that make sense? And then at the base level, through that stuff, God says, okay, Brad, now be an example. Brad, Selena, Kevin, Audra, be an example. Be an example for whoever I send. Be an example for these people. Lay your life open and bare so they can see it. So that you can be a pattern right and they can they can lay you down on top of their life right Amen. and lord we love you so much so grateful lord, help us